welcome to the WCAPS 5 podcast series. WCAPS is an online community dedicated to strengthening the leadership and professional development of women of color, specializing in the fields of peace, security, conflict transformation, and foreign policy. Join us as we unpack their valuable perspectives, learn from their strategies, and grow together. Vive. Vision. Impact. Voice. Engagement. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another of the Vibe podcast by WCAPS, Women of Color for Advancing Peace and Security. My name is Kara Hernandez, and I'm the chair of the Illicit Trafficking Working Group. I'm actually very excited because I'm sitting down today with Lubna Alam, an expert researcher in the field of illicit trafficking and proliferation of small arms and light weapons. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Kara. Thank you for having me. And I'm super excited to record this podcast with you. I know. I'm so glad that we could finally connect. Small arms is something that I'm extremely interested in and I've worked on in the past in Central America. So I am just so fascinated by your your backstory and what you've worked on. And I was wondering if you could start off by telling us some of your previous areas that you've worked on or have done research in. So I have graduated from Cairo University. I studied political science. And during my undergraduate uh, years, I won an award from the American Department of to join a program called Near East and Sub-Saharan Africa. And it's for undergraduates to travel to the United States and and study for a year abroad. So I joined the American University in DC. And this is when my interest about conflict in the MENA region started. And this is also when I got my first professional experience uh, by joining the office of an NGO called the Antiquities Coalition. During this time, I worked on research about ISIS and the destruction of heritage and archaeological sites, especially in Iraq. This was very fascinating and interesting to see the different impacts of terrorism that usually during my studies in Egypt, I wasn't exposed to. That it's not only destruction to homes, to victims and casualties, but it's also the destruction of culture and civilization. So after graduation, I took an internship at the League of Arab States because at that time, I was 100% sure that I want to focus my work on the MENA region. And as part of my internship, I took part in a conference that was in collaboration with UN Women. It was about women refugees, entrepreneurs working in Egypt. They were women who were starting their businesses after having their journey moving from Syria and their journey moving from countries like Iraq, from Libya. And I remember at the conference, which took place in Cairo, one of the women refugees who were in, who was invited as a guest, she stood up and said, we need to speak about our reality ourselves. Indeed, there was at this event, there were remarkable women guest speakers, but none of them were refugees in Egypt at this critical time. So this is when I understood the importance of representation. And I knew firsthand that in order to address a reality of a certain group of people, these people have to speak for themselves. So at that point, especially coming from third world country and developing country, for years and years, we have had 
men who were who were exclusively holding the microphone. So this is when I decided that for my master's degree, I will incorporate gender courses and indulge into gender literature as part of my political science master's degree. So for two years in Geneva, I've worked hand in hand with the CEO of the Swiss NGO. It's called Women World Summit Foundation and the CEO, Madame Elie Brotherbond. We work together on multiple issues and projects on women in rural areas, civil society, working on children's rights, women's rights, also violence against women in Switzerland. And indeed, it was an intensive training working so closely with such a remarkable women. And I've also learned a lot about women in business, women in conflict, women in such different and such diverse array of of work in the in different societies and especially focused on countries like Egypt countries like Libya Tunisia India Bangladesh so it was indeed a fascinating experience for me and end of 2018 I joined the security assessment project in North, in North Africa at the small arms survey in Geneva And since then, I've been collaborating with the survey on multiple projects on security in the MENA region. And indeed, up till now, I'm, I think for the near future or the far future, I think for the coming five to 10 years, this is my aim to work on different research projects and peacekeeping projects in the region. And hopefully soon I'll be doing that for my PhD. This is like my three or four four year plan from now. That is so wonderful. I I know anybody would be lucky to have you in their PhD program. Just having conversations with you offline. We've talked so much about the importance of having the sensitivity to not only a gender focused perspective, but also also really incorporating a cultural expect representation in the work that you're doing. If you could for the, our listeners kind of go into a little bit of how you see Uh, small arm proliferation in North Africa and the impacts on women and how does culture actually play a role? So we have all these intersectionalities of gender and identity and culture and religion. And I'd love for you to just give us a little bit of a summary of how you see that playing out in North Africa through your work. So indeed, the wave of uprisings that started in 2011 across the region, we see that women became more visible in the public sphere as actors We see them in demonstrations, we see them on the battlefield, and we've been seeing women more in the realm of security. Of course, women like men are impacted by the proliferation of arms and weapons in conflict-affected regions. But if we're speaking about women, for example, if we're speaking about the presence of guns and weapons at home and the increase of the billion health firearms due to the insecurity and proliferation of small arms across North Africa due to the absence of security on borders, for example, due to the, due to the if I would call it chaos that followed the 2011 uprisings, then we could see that, for example, through 2012, 2003, 2012 and 2013, we could see that there have been also that escalated into civil conflict. So the increase of civilian health firearms, there is, of course, an increase of 
guns present at home. And that, for example, one of the aspects, it led to the increase in femicide. And this is not only exclusive to the MENA region. We have incidents also where kids play with guns and arms that are not stored properly in the house and kids get injured or killed. So during my work with the survey, I was lucky to be uh, chosen among a team of trainers to travel to Tunisia in collaboration with UNMAS Libya, with the United Nations Mine Action Service, to give a training to uh, Libyan youth, Libyan young men and young women on gender sensitive awareness uh, training. So it was very important that women should be incorporated in the spreading awareness against the proliferation of arms and weapons in the society. Also, with the increase of such proliferation, women should be trained on how to, for example, safely store weapons, how weapons are stored safely, how ammunition are stored, how they're stored separately, to, for example, keep, keep them safely concealed in the house. So indeed, there's a change of women, if we're speaking generally, there's a change in the image of women in security and also in insecurity. So among the testimonials that I came across while researching for my thesis is that in places where the culture is conservative, women are rarely researched at checkpoints. So some women would use that as a mean to smuggle weapons across the borders. I mean, if they are not typically going to get searched at checkpoints, they use it as an opportunity to smuggle weapons across the borders. So, and for example, we've seen images of Kurdish female fighters holding guns and on the battlefield. On the other hand, we've been seeing images of women as perpetrators of violence among some ISIS brigades and in videos and footages that is actually uh, promoted and propagated by ISIS themselves. So that being said, I could summarize by saying that there is a stereotypical image of women and their relation to security that needs revision. So before, women used to be narrowed down as a subject or as a victim. But now, yes, of course, women are victims of violence. Now we have women who are perpetrators of violence. And this is why we need to have women as policymakers, women working in arms and ammunition storage sites, giving women the opportunity working as technical assistants, working in military sites, in order to be able to address properly the challenges that women are facing in conflict-affected areas. I actually was talking to somebody at the African Union, I, I guess it was 2019, and we were actually discussing that, that there's so many identified knowledge gaps that are just based off of stereotypes of women in the region, based off of stereotypes of uh, different cultures and sensitivities being that, that women don't own guns, so therefore we shouldn't do any training around women handling guns or trying to access guns. Or like you were saying at the border, these checkpoints, how people are being coerced or sometimes leading the charge themselves of transferring these guns across borders illicitly. So I do think that's something that's interesting that I know there has been some work on it, but I think at this point, it seems like there's only been work to acknowledge the gaps of information and not necessarily how to address them. 
And like you're saying, it's so important to actually have these people on the front lines in these policy areas and not only in one area, but really diversifying the field and just kind of changing it to talk about that a little bit. I would really, I know you've worked in various countries, you've worked in Europe, you've been in the United States, you've worked in the, you know, in your region and your country. I think it'd be really interesting to describe the different challenges that you think women are facing while working in peace and security in these different areas. So I would say that, of course, there are multiple challenges facing women in this area and field. But I would say that the two biggest challenges would be first that there are stereotypes in the society. And I would speak since I'm Egyptian about the Egyptian society that security is a male dominated field. And usually as a young woman who is studying politics, who wants to pursue a field in security, encounter terrorism, usually you feel that the society is usually telling you, if you join this field, you're compromising your social life. You are going to compromise your role at home. When you get married, you, or in that case, if you get married, you are going to always be compromising with your kids, for example, and you're always going to be busy. And this is a man's job. So I think this could be the biggest challenge that it discourages young women to pursue studying security or studying politics or counterterrorism and or any such field of study. Subsequently, we have a problem, women having access to opportunities and to proper training. Sometimes I would say that women are not taken seriously in the field of of security because it's seen that this is not your domain so even if you are at the table you are not you are not granted credibility as a man does so this of course discourages young women from pursuing their passion whether it is studying security or politics so i would say that these challenges are also present worldwide. It's not only it's not only in Egypt or in the Arab world or in North Africa, MENA region, but it's it's also worldwide. But I would say that in the Europe and the US, it could be said that these challenges are on a lower scale. Given generally the more freedom that women and young women have academically and professionally. I would say that I was lucky to, I, or I consider myself lucky to have cooperated and, work, and worked with many organizations that value women in the field. But at the same time, I would say that there is always room for getting better. I definitely agree. And I think there's something that you talked about that I really do try to emphasize in my work at WCAPS is that when we work, for example, with survivors of human trafficking, we really try to give space for human trafficking survivors to be lived experience experts. And because of their lived experience expertise, they're able to look at issues and tackle problems and even talk about language and the kind of in-group fighting between how people perceive how policy should be changed. And I'd be really interested to see how you think having um, conflict-affected countries leading and influencing policy can make a difference in 
stymieing the illicit trafficking of small arms? So as I mentioned before in, uh, in answering the first question, that representation is key. So sometimes I could see that in when collaborating with people, when we're talking about the region, sometimes people would, uh, or a person would take a semester abroad in a conflict-affected country, or for example, a one-month vacation, and would come back and speak on behalf of these people. And I usually say that a semester abroad or a vacation, or even if you conduct, for example, four or five months research, doesn't qualify a person to be a representation of the people from the conflict affected areas. Indeed, I don't want to undermine the importance of the work that these people did. Traveling and immersing yourself in the culture and holding discussions with the locals, it's key, it's vital in giving you insights about what's happening. But at the same time, if we want to formulate policies and practices and informed recommendations regarding the conflict-affected countries, these people from these countries should be invited to the table. And we have long suffered from policies that are seen far detached from reality because the things that day-to-day life is in continuous change and to grasp the reality and to formulate informed policies and discussions based on them, people living this reality should be included. So the impact of insecurity and conflict is indeed gendered and it affects women in in different and yet in particular ways. So therefore, women should be there, should be present to address these issues and ensure that policies respond to their needs. I could not agree with you more. I It reminds me of a time when I was participating in an expert panel on the ATT in Costa Rica. We had somebody from a European country, they will remain nameless, go on a big diatribe of all of these technical advancements on monitoring the traffic transfer of arms across borders. And you can just hear the people from the African bloc being like, this person is so out of touch with reality of what is happening in the continent that, you know, somebody raised their hand and they were like, well, you know, representative from X country, how do you suggest we do this application if we don't have electricity to this border? And it was just like dead silent and we just kind of moved on, but it was so impactful. But I was like, even now, this was probably 2016. I was like, even in 2016, these things are not being kind of addressed in a cultural competent way. And that's because you're you're exactly what your point is, is you're not having the people from these conflict affected areas really leading and influencing the policy. And that could be either from a technology point standpoint or implementation standpoint, but also just from a cultural competency standpoint. So kind of wrapping up our conversation today, I like to know if you had one thing that you can you can leave for people who are working in the illicit trafficking or transfers of, of small arms. What is one recommendation you can give them how to engage more women of color? And alternatively, what is one tip that you think you would give to a woman of color interested in getting in this field? So I would say that it's very important to give women of color in the field of security more visibility 
for example, like this podcast, I would say that I'm still in the beginning of my career and maybe my insights and me sharing my insights on this podcast would motivate other women who are younger than me or my age who are a bit scared to take this step to go out of their comfort zone of studying um for example, of studying something that a woman is expected to study and go into the field of studying security and political science. So given, giving women of color more visibility in the field indeed is very important and crucial to attract and encourage more, more women to join the field of, of security, be it counterterrorism, weapons of mass destruction, anti-proliferation. So in any sector that women is, are seen as not, as not present, it's important to give the women who are present visibility. Also, it's important to have equal and fair practices and chances and have anti-discriminatory policies in recruitment in the field. So I would encourage or call for NGOs, for IOs to include more more women who have the experience and are ready to to work with dedication and give their, I would say, their unique point of view and insights and work on projects that are I would say that are not exclusively only working on gender and women, but on conflict in general. So I would say that the number of women are growing in the field. And I really hope that not only the numbers are growing, but also the diversity is growing and the inclusion is growing. One tip I would give to to young women who are still starting their journey, I would say go for internships lots of internships while you are doing your undergrad because it's very important you're studying and while you're studying you're applying what you've studied you are creating a network you are presenting yourself to the field as a serious professional so i would definitely encourage young students to start their their professional journey early from their beginning of their studies to go for internships try different things to pursue this with determination to speak up and to stand for themselves because i think for generation after generation we will we were very apologetic and we were taught that in some fields men are better so i think that now is the right time that we use the momentum to our advantage and i mean women of color we have our different stories, we have our different challenges and our different experiences. So this diversity should be the source of our strength. And I think that is a wonderful call for people to, when you're young and or you're in school, for example, to try out different things. Like your internship doesn't have to be the end-all be-all of what work you want to do. If you're interested in something, it's a good way to test out if that's something you want to pursue because there's so many skills that you can learn in one internship that will be transferable to your job that you'll ultimately have. And for people who are listening who are in the 
arm trafficking world. Um, I also encourage you to reach out to Orgs in Solidarity, which is an initiative by WCAPS, where we have about 250 organizations and individuals who are looking at how to combat racism and discrimination as it pertains to hiring, diversifying the fields of peace and security, foreign policy, and national security. So I really encourage you all to do that. It's completely free resource for people looking to kind of dismantle this idea that peace and security and hard security is for kind of men only. And then within that, how to diversify the women that you're actually hiring. We've seen a lot times that when people say, oh, we've, we have a lot of diversity in this organization, it's um, generally in the United States, I can only speak for, it's a lot of women who are either white or who are highly educated um, working in these different areas. So I really encourage you to do that too, to see how lived experience and other experiences can really play a part in formating your policy when it comes to peace and security. So with that, I'm so glad to have have you on the podcast. I'm so excited to work with you on different initiatives in the future. I really, I appreciate your expertise and your sensitivity to this topic. Thank you very much, Karen. The, the pleasure is all mine. And I'm really looking forward, as you said, to collaborate on future initiatives and to work on having even a very small role in helping women of color access the field of security and even the smallest step counts and it really makes a difference in one's life. Thank you very much. Thank you.